0: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Did the Minnesota Vikings get fleeced in the Zadaria Smith trade? And also, we break down the XFL champion. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about that garbage.
2: I'm Luke Braun of Lockdown Vikings, and I was looking forward to eating crow on the Arlington Renegades.
3: <laughs> this is uh, Arif Hasan with Pro Football Network. I have not watched a snap of XFL or USFL football. I'm a better person for it.
0: We'll talk about Arif's redemption from his previous life as a semi professional football fanatic on today's Minnesota Football Party.
3: Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party.
0: A uh, fresh week here on Locked On Sports Minnesota and the Minnesota Football Party. Sam Arif and Luke Braun, all of us covering the Vikings here on the Minnesota Football Party. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. He's at Arif Hassan NFL. And Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings. He's at Luke Braun NFL. Thank you for tuning in. We got a full week of programming coming up here. On the Minnesota Football Party, which is brought to you today by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more at fanDuel.com slash locked on. It's America's number one sports book where you can wager on week one betting lines now. Vikings favored by six against the Bucks. Get it while it's hot, guys. Uh, the Vikings favored by almost a full touchdown in that game. That's fanduel.com. Slash locked on. On today's show, uh, we'll we'll talk about the Friday news dump. The Vikings traded Zedarius Smith um, for a pair of fifth round picks. We'll talk about whether they won or got fleeced in that deal. Uh, we also got some questions about Dalvin cook. What's next for Dalvin cook. Is there any chance that he could stay in Minnesota? I kind of doubt it, but we'll, we'll dive into that. We'll entertain that possibility. And uh, I also want to get Luke Braun's take on Jordan Addison. He has watched tireless Jordan Addison video. In fact, Since the draft, he has not stopped watching Jordan Addison video, and he's going to tell us what he's learned about the Vikings' first-round pick. But let's get into uh, Zedarius Smith. He is gone. The Vikings have acquired two fifths. They've given up a sixth and a seventh. And, oh, yeah, they've also given up Zedarius Smith. And it sounds like they're taking on some of his salary as well. Um, For anybody, Arif, that thought, hey, the Vikings can get a third-round pick for this guy, Didn't happen. Um, Don't know why it didn't happen. Don't know if the Vikings felt like they could draw this out, maybe come to an agreement with him, and it never came together. But I don't think any Vikings fan is really feeling good about the way this all went down with a Pro Bowl pass rusher from last season.
3: Yeah, I think um, it, it's it's always difficult to like project trades. Obviously, I think all three of us were kind of incorrect in what his trade price would be. But that was before the draft. After the draft, the market for him dried up a little bit. And I think that that is part of it. I think that that is just like, you know, fewer teams need an edge rusher after the draft. Right. And so. Yeah. Um, with uh, with a smaller market, that's going to happen. With an older edge rusher, that's going to happen. Um, I was just looking over some like previous trades for guys that had relatively successful seasons the year prior or during the season. Uh, and during the season is a little bit tough because you know mid season trades always occur to teams that desperately you know need an edge rusher. It's a little bit different, but you know uh, the off season trade the Colts made for Unique Ngakwe, who was just coming off of a ten sack season with the Raiders, right? They traded cornerback Rocky Sin, who I feel like they were willing to cut, right? Like he's not, he wasn't a good corner. Right. And so, um, you know, like that is a d- pretty decent example. Obviously the Ravens trading for unique Ngakwe from the Vikings is a little bit different, but, um, I, I think that you take a look at 30 plus uh, year old pass rushers, like when the bears traded away, Jared Allen for like a conditional 6th round pick to the Panthers, uh, coming off of like a six sack season. Um, and and you see that like the the market drops off pretty significantly. It's not like the Denver Broncos trading Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins, right? I still think that even with that context, the Vikings probably didn't get out of this trade looking good. I think that um, the return they got, which was um, probably equivalent to a, a sixth round pick or something like that, um, mm-hmm. that I don't like. <laughs> I think that um the Vikings uh had enough cap space this season to get deals done with players like you know Justin Jefferson they did not need for cap reasons to trade away Darius Smith they have all the negotiating leverage in the world if he tried to hold out um because he just incurs enormous fines that the teams are not allowed to forgive um and so you know, if he's like legitimately threatening to retire, I'd be a little bit surprised by that. But that's the only leverage he has. And so I thought the Vikings were pretty well set up with three edge rushers that they'd be able to rotate in fairly frequently to be able to use him effectively or just negotiate the deal that he might want. And if if that's not something that he wanted, obviously that changes things. It's kind of like, you know, when when the Vikings were forced to trade Stephon Diggs, there's not really a level of negotiating with him that'll work things out. But I still think a you know, the equivalent of a of a sixth round pick or something like that. Um, is, is a pretty poor return.
0: Yeah. I, Bron, the only thing I can kind of project here is that the Vikings must have been a little blindsided by this because they signed him to a three-year deal, which for Quasi, that is a long deal. Like, that is longer than most deals he he gives out, and he gave that deal to a 30-something pass rusher off injury, right? So they couldn't have had the expectation that, oh, like, you know, he'll walk after one year, that's fine. Or... Um, like I, it's not as if this was a contract year where it makes a ton of sense or is it to like need to do the restructure? Um, so I, I can't imagine the Vikings really anticipated this being the path that would have to go down.
2: I, I don't know about blind. They might've been surprised when he requested his release earlier in the off season. But after that, it was like, okay, now we've got like a situation to deal with after the draft. Um, that contract, the third year of it, always felt a little fake, and it's now been voided out. So I think it was more yeah. like a two-year deal. Um, but the the way this reads to me is I don't think that just, like, forcing him to play on the original deal was much of a consideration. I, I, I get what you're saying, Arif, that, like, yeah, I guess they, like, probably could have played hardball and forced the issue and what's his Darius going to do about it? But I don't think they wanted to do that. Um,
1: like, Why not? I don't not? think they to,
2: like, <laughs> I don't think they wanted to be that disrespectful about it, I guess. Um, like, personal reasons, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and barring that as an option, like, whatever Zadarius Smith was demanding was apparently something that was a non-starter. Because that contract negotiation didn't last very long. Um, like, it's not that long after the draft and we've already got, like, a trade hammered out, you know? Like, that can't have been a very long process. So, I, I think... To me, this reads as Zadarius Smith didn't like his contract, requested his release, and instead of giving him his release, we eked a little bit of extra value out of that. But it's kind of like cutting but a little better. Instead of, hey, we think we can flip Zadarius Smith for this really great prized asset of two fifth-round picks. Like, that's not the logic here. The logic is this current situation is not tenable as is, and the most value we can get or the 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 highest value option we have is this kind of trade where we dump most of the contract and uh i assume most of the contract because if they take on more than like 5 million then that's worse than what they had guaranteed anyways so i can't imagine that they take on more than that uh you know and then we get a little bit of day three capital um which like sucks yeah that's awful that's the no fun um but I want to make sure that we like are properly considering what the actual options on the table were. Uh, And I don't think that forcing him to play through the deal, having him hold out till he retires or whatever, or just being the kind of team that does that to, you know, Beloved locker room players and stuff. I just don't think that the Vikings consider that very
3: hard very much. so the the pushback on this is, and you know I would love it if more teams were more considerate of like players. but the pushback on this is that it really feels like um from the Vikings perspective that they wouldn't really feel obligated to do that because it felt like they were surprised by what Darius Smith was doing at every possible opportunity like when he went public about his desire uh, to be released, right? That sounds like, you know, uh, non conversations with the team, not appreciating the back and forth that, you know, he and the team should have about that, because the Vikings obviously weren't willing to release him, but were willing to trade him. If he had said something along the lines of I want to be traded, that would still be kind of surprising for a player to make a public statement like that but it wouldn't be discordant with what the vikings necessarily wanted right it could be something part of the viking strategy to trade him again i kind of doubt it but he doesn't seem like he was willing to work with the vikings and so it Mm -hmm. is surprising to me that the vikings would work with him to get him what he wants at cost um again it would be really fantastic if teams did this pretty regularly if teams were very respectful of what players wanted and needed if they gave players more power. But there's very little to suggest to me that that's who the Vikings are or have ever been. Uh, and there's very little to me to suggest that the, that the Zadarius Smith Vikings relationship is long enough or good enough for them to do something like that. I think it is much more likely that they were caught with their pants down and needed to make a move and absolutely i think it's much more likely uh and 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 traded oh. him at cost right like why why exactly was it respectful to trade him specifically to the cleveland browns he's never worked with Jim sports it. before yeah why did he pick them probably cuz they had the best contract on the table i'd i so, okay. guess so
2: it and was... also I, it should be mentioned that he changed agents in the middle of this and i wonder if there's something where the vikings were working with his agent but he didn't like what his agent was doing and he fired his agent that's at that Facilitated a different way. That's totally reckless speculation on my part, but it's worth considering. If, if we're trying to suss out Zadarius Smith's like, actions and intentions here that's probably right I, i'm just saying point. it
3: would be it would be unusual for it to be the browns because the browns don't have a ton of cap space to negotiate new deals they don't seem like an attractive destination for a number of reasons uh they you know want a playoff team uh they he's never worked with a defensive coordinator before in fact there's no one on the brown staff that i recognize that he's worked with before and so it wasn't like a situation where um and there's not a lot of former teammates there that that he's played with alvin so was-
0: tomlinson
3: I said that a lot (laughs) loves Um, Dalvin
0: Tomlinson,
3: but uh, it it would, it would be surprising to me that the Browns were his preferred destination. And so then again, that was was,
2: reported by Mary Kay Cabot. That's not like a guess.
3: I have concerns about that reporting. It's Uh,
2: pretty
0: clear that, that dollars were the main motivator here. That's been reporting the whole way that it's
2: always been a money thing. It's
0: always been about the money. Now, between the money the Vikings are covering and this new deal with Cleveland, eleven seven five—is that what I saw? Combined... That's the guarantees.
2: I don't know what the full money contract is, and I don't know what the Vikings took on and all the details of that. There's a bunch of different permutations that the, that could play out that equal that number. So I'm not entirely sure. What right. The
3: so deal we is. we don't have an over the cap. Uh, update which means we don't have a full contract on Cedarius mm-hmm. smith um the guarantees I, I would assume that he's paying a lot more attention to the guarantees now maybe that's part of the reason that he switched agents um because you know this this whole contract thing wouldn't have happened if uh if the vikings had guaranteed him a lot more money um but uh the the cash in hand that he would get this year so he was scheduled to get uh in cash uh about five million dollars this year um no, but it probably about nine point five because he's probably going to hit the other bonuses. So he's was scheduled to get um almost ten million dollars in cash, um which is not unusual for an edge rusher of his quality. Um, so the cash in hand that he'd have to get from the Browns this year would have to be pretty substantial for it to be um a huge upgrade money wise. Obviously, he wanted money. That was kind of the whole point. He wanted to be released for, um and the Vikings guaranteed uh hate goes from 5.5 to seven or something like that. Um, so, which again, that's not uh, hugely surprising either. Um, so yeah, I, I, just don't know, uh, what the money looks like for it to be substantially better for him with the Browns than elsewhere. And, you know, maybe that's, that's a product of his agent having a better relationship with the Browns or, uh, which seems unlikely agents usually have pretty good relationships with about 20 or so teams at least. Um, or 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 what have you but it, it just feels like there were a lot of situations where he could have been traded where he would have earned more money even if you restrict yourself to outside of the conference
2: it, and, it definitely and- had to be guarantees because with the way his contract looked headed into the offseason when he requested his release was like ripe for the vikings to come up and be like in in, in like June and be like, Hey, take a pay cut or we're going to cut you. And that's the situation that he didn't want to be in. Like there, there was nothing stopping the Vikings from being there. So he, my, my, right. The Vikings are, the were time,
3: obligated for $5 million in guaranteed cap hit that's that that hadn't vested yet. Right. And so uh, he
2: wanted to be, he, he wanted to be released in March when, you know, free agency was going crazy. You could right. potentially have a better market that, that at least was my guess on it versus, um, you know, being a being approached
3: about no a pay the cut. the fi- the five million was fully vested. The other, um, I think, was it like three million before that had day. Invested. No, he had see- he had signed for about six point five fully guaranteed at signing five million of which were in twenty twenty three. Um, uh, besides like obviously because the rest is the 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 signing bonus and a guaranteed first year salary. So, um, he would have had more vested, uh coming march of the like like the normal vesting process the rolling guarantees um yeah so trying to take a look at this so, so, like so a $3 is the, the money rapid? the
0: vikings are taking on is that the money that w- kicked in in march
3: or is not there necessarily. additional in in addition yeah. to two i think
0: no well that
2: money if if the vikings did not rework the contract to take on any money at all those that guaranteed salary would have moved to cleveland so not necessarily the same right. money, but I'm sure they
3: take on some. Well, except except of the signing bonus, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and and the deal that he signed the the environment under which he signed it last off season was with back injuries and concerns and all this stuff, and it was a very much a like. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah it deal. was. It
3: was a five point oh five guaranteed for injury until the twenty third of the league year. You're right. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. That like had of the third day of the league, the third of the league year. Yeah, and it um, was and a so provisional in that, deal, yeah.
2: which he played the whole year, played every single game, made a Pro Bowl, and I'm sure he goes to that with that leverage and say, hey, the circumstances have changed, let's change things, and I think the Vikings were surprised by the request of release, but they had two months <laughs> since requesting right. release to training so- him to so think if, about what they were going to do. So I think the idea of the like, framework I, I just don't want it to the, be framed as like a panic thing. Like they had two months to think about this.
3: Well, okay. So if the framework of the Vikings doing, um, him a solid was in fact the case, um, why would they not provide him more guarantee? That sounds like doing him a solid.
0: Yeah. Tear up That's the a third more year a solid and give I him, mean, it is a,
3: it is a bigger solid. I agree. That's a way bigger <laughs> solid, but, but, it, but it very much seems like, um, Zayaria Smith and the Vikings were so far apart that the Vikings.
2: I don't know. Yeah, like he said, okay, it, it seems so, difficult. So we're for not going to pay believe this.
3: That this you is can find who's going to pay this. Solid. It's 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 very I, difficult for me to believe that this is about that.
2: It seems I, I, odd I, I, that the Vikings couldn't have... oversold how nice it is then, because I feel like that's fairly normal when, you know, you've got a contract situation that's that has come to a halt. You're not going to sign a contract, and you go, okay, you may seek trade partners now, and
3: you can go negotiate a Uh, contract with whoever the trade partners are. But the cost is the Vikings take on uh, an additional, uh, I don't want to say six, an additional $5 million in cap hit to get the equivalent of a sixth round pick. Was
2: there an option not to? What were the other teams? Does anybody, is anybody just chilling with like 12 mil cap space right now that the other teams could have been?
3: A fair amount. Some of them are in the conference and maybe that restricts it. But I would imagine that... um, there are teams that can use an edge rusher that, like, um, I don't know what Jacksonville's like cap hit is, but there are other teams yeah. that can use an edge rusher. Oh, there's I think a it all boils
0: down to that. Zayre Smith just really adored Ed Donatel and his defense, and said, "If I can't play for yeah. Ed, <laughs> yeah.
3: I don't want to play in purple." As yeah, so we get like, uh, so uh, AFC teams are like Jacksonville, Cincinnati, uh, Houston. Um, they all have much more cap space. Indianapolis. Uh, and then the NFC teams are even better, right? Oh, and, and Los Angeles has 12 and a half million in cap space. Uh, Patriots have 12 million in cap space. Uh, Ravens could have traded back for them uh, for, for 12 million in cap space. <laughs> Their um, third
0: rendezvous with
3: Sidaria Smith. That'd be funny.
0: The second one. That, that would be would a be really a, funny way for this to right?
3: Yeah. But yeah, so there's like six or seven teams at over $12 million in cap space that could use an edge rusher. Uh, guys, we need to start like thinking about Marcus Davenport a lot
0: more because I think for for a couple months there we were able to to justify okay, the Vikings have this three-headed monster, maybe, and Marcus Davenport can stick in that third down pass rushing role. Marcus Davenport's career high is 533 snaps in a season. Zadarius Smith has accomplished that or better in every season since 2017, excluding the, uh, the season he missed. With a back injury, I mean yeah. this is just a this is a different type of player. This is not an every down pass rusher.
3: And well, to push back on that just a little bit, and I was the okay. one who brought it up when he was signed because I wasn't a fan of the signing. A lot of that was while he was a backup, like he was he was a rotational edge rusher for his first two seasons. So he doesn't hit 600 snaps. Doesn't bother me. That's not injury related. Now, the next two seasons, he was expected to take on a bigger role. He didn't because of injury. That is relevant. But I don't want to overstate the case that, you know, he hasn't played over 600 snaps because some of that had nothing to do with his durability or conditioning. So I just want to push back on that just a little bit, that there is the possibility that that for most of his career or for a good chunk of his career, he could have been a 1,000 snap player, had that opportunity been available to him.
0: So let, let, let's try to be more specific with it. So Davenport has played five or four seasons. Let me get this up here. He's played five. Oh, it's five. So, so he had the fifth year. Yeah. Five five seasons. So in what, two or three of those seasons, like I think you could probably say he was not blocked by a superior player. He was not a backup, um, and probably should have earned his way to an every
3: down roll. Is that safe to say? Yeah, for two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think it is, I think it's relevant to point out that it is, I don't know if disconcerting, but it is another note in his, uh, in the scouting report, if you will, um, that as a first round pick, even if he was like a raw first round pick, right. That as a first round pick, he couldn't, you know, consistently crack the starting lineup enough to get those snaps. But that is a different concern than, than like four or five years worth of injury. Right. Um, I just mm-hmm. wanted to get out that it's not, five years worth of injury it's it's five years worth of different circumstances including injury
0: correct um so agent zero marcus davenport is uh suddenly a very key figure like on agent this Minnesota zero 5. Defense. <laughs> his sack total yeah <laughs> all right that's the best i've heard today that's cool. um so the vikings go <laughs> I, it's from it's like unfair to bring it up because he got more pressures
3: and stuff but it's so funny <laughs> it is funny though like you can't deny that yeah
0: i mean as as teams continue to retire jersey numbers and who knows roster size expanding i don't know uh they might have to start using decimal points might be no, a thing
2: don't. yeah start no, using halves they'll, they'll go to like hundreds before they do that yeah they'll, they'll go to hundreds <laughs> they'll start
3: they'll start yeah. including e and pi i think before they use decimals <laughs>
0: Exclamation points. Yeah.
3: Factorials. Oh, my gosh. Uh,
0: Three a generation too early. <laughs> Ampersand. Uh, today's show. Uh, well, first of all, we're, let's get into um, Luke Braun's Jordan Addison breakdown. After I tell you that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sports Uh Get in on the fast break. That is the uh, NBA Playoffs. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. Or you could be like Ron Johnson. He went down to Iowa over the weekend, logged into FanDuel, and uh, he claimed the Bet 5 Get 150 sign-up bonus. So they have great promotions at FanDuel as well. It's a safe and secure app. You get paid instantly when you win. You can load up on those same-game parlays. No better way to bet the playoffs than at America's number one sportsbook. That's NBA and NHL. Big game seven tonight, Stars and Kraken. FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. No sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
1: This locked on podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients. free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: Luke Braun. um, Tell us about your Patreon, first of all, and, uh, and then tell us about Jordan Addison because you did an extensive breakdown of Jordan Addison and I would love to hear about it. So the floor is yours, Luke Braun. Um, Give the plug. And then uh, let's hear about J.A.
2: Yeah, you can find patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL. You can find many a film breakdown, film breakdowns from throughout the whole season, a whole bunch of draft breakdowns, uh, including ones on Jaron Hall, Makai Blackman, two on Jordan Addison. Now I'm trying to get the other uh, draft picks in there eventually, too. Uh, None of that is behind uh, the paywall.
3: Are you going to do Ivan Pace and uh, Andre Carter as well? Maybe.
0: You bet I feel be like fond? it. you're going to do Najee Thompson. That's your <laughs> Najee that's Thompson. Your, Matt Daniels, Daniels is up. guy. You <laughs> can show, show his <laughs> many real. great reps at Georgia Southern on special teams.
3: Uh, give me the tape. <laughs> we, I'll do it. We, yeah. I think we do have access to special teams footage. So possible I, I i have no idea how
2: to find it but i would i would be all over that yeah Bef- uh, before
0: we continue let's look at his special teams grades in college oh boy. Per, per pff i'm excited oh because boy. this is your thing Bron. you you've put yourself out there that naji thompson is going to make the roster so he, he is he is not here to play corner let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> special teams at georgia southern um he had 874 special team snaps, 92 on kick return, 260 on kick coverage, 199 punt return, 256 on punt coverage, 67 on field goal block. So I'll give it to you. That is a versatile resume, and he's got some very nice looking grades.
3: Seven uh, no, he doesn't. Though. What? 60.7 grade? What are you talking about? When did I say that? Well, you said he's got some nice looking grades. I took a look at his special teams grade last year, 60.7. Look at his five seasons and you'll see scores in the 80s. All right. So 80.4, 70.6, 80.5, 87.8. All right. Yeah. If we're if we're if we're counting on his freshman year special teams grade to come through. Yeah, I'm absolutely stoked. All right.
2: And you can hear him talk about it on Lockdown Vikings. There you Uh, go. But yeah, I did a long uh, Jordan Addison breakdown, which isn't long because it's thorough. It's long because I ramble. (laughs) yeah i've Uh, read
3: your writing yeah yeah oh
2: (laughs) call the kettle black why don't you uh (laughs) uh, but yeah i i wanted to take another look at jordan addison because when i did addison for patreon in the pre-draft process it was one of the earlier ones i did and i feel like i had learned a lot more so i wanted to kind of like reapply that now that we know that he's the vikings guy um and i've i've like actually went back to a couple reps and was like yeah so i was wrong about this here's what you're you should actually be looking for um and the things i really focused on were there's just stuff about his technique that's really cool that's worth pointing out that's that you can kind of like learn from what technique's supposed to look like here it is and the way that he runs routes like the the strategy behind it the thought behind it you can see um the my favorite example is, uh, I think it's against Stanford. There's a cover two rep where he's running a basic, a backside dick, the, the Seth Galena route. Um, and he makes that, like the way he runs that to fake a corner route, which is going to be something that stresses out the safety in cover two all the time. That's like the, the turkey hole route, right? The way he runs it to make it look like a corner route forces that safety to react, break outside. And then when he breaks to the inside, he's wide open. Um, And that's just there's this like kind of extra couple layers of thought that you don't see in college like ever. uh, That's really, really cool to see. And then some stuff about, you know, hey, look, he's a small receiver. He doesn't have elite speed. That's a big concern. How does that manifest itself? What does it look like when you have a small receiver that doesn't have elite speed? What kind of losses does that lead to? And the answer is, you know, hey, if a corner doesn't feel like he has to leave his backpedal, Cause he runs a four, three and he knows he's faster than you. So he doesn't have to turn around and bail out while you're still three yards away. He can just kind of stand there and play catch technique on you. And if you're small, that's really bad for you. That's catch technique is, is when you use your physicality, it's almost like playing basketball mm-hmm. where you stand there and you basically take the charge and you say, you have to run through me. And I'm bigger than you, so you can't. So you have to go around me. And essentially, by just standing here, I have disrupted the timing and pathing of your route. Um, That's something that Addison just has to deal with that's going to lead to some losses, and it makes it harder. The further up in the progression you are, you know, if you're the first read, timing's a lot more important than if you're the third read. Um, So the further up the progression you are, the more sensitive and delicate that is. And Addison can do he can go around like that's not a deal breaker where where it is for a lot of the other small receivers in the draft it kind of was uh where like when Zay Flowers goes around he just won't restack up back onto his path but Addison will and so that's nice but it's still like not ideal you wish you you would prefer to have someone with either the physicality or and this is a suggestion i made the hands technique to be able to get through a guy but Addison doesn't really use his hands when somebody's mm-hmm. got his yeah. got their hands was- on him like swipe go go break right. his arm if he's gonna that put his was, arm on you go break it I, th-
3: I think his release technique was kind of the biggest concern yeah about the way his size interacted with the style of play so um i mean it's nice to see that that like gets matched with with someone else looking at it were you able to take a look at any of his um blitnikov year uh tape in the in the thing
2: i did but i didn't include it because it felt so much sloppier than the usc tape it really? felt like he yeah which i was really i was like this dude is like raw, but then you look at USC and he looks like he's been playing in the NFL for eight years. He really took a leap at, at USC in terms of technique and stuff. Um, you know, Lincoln
0: Riley, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> that's great to know because I think people see the the raw stats and say he regressed, but no, you're saying that he actually I would argue against order. that really hard. I think he yeah. was a
2: much better receiver at USC um and I think when you would he had start like 110 targets at
3: Pitt and like 60 targets at USC which I know targets are also a receiver stat but like I think that that is something that you have to take into account when you're taking a look at like the receiving totals that like the offense at Pitt was about making sure that Addison got the ball. The it was a lot of
2: bubble screens and yak opportunities.
3: And it was like,
2: yeah, that was like the point of him for that, which was awesome. Right. And And the offense at USC
3: was like, hey, we've got like an all-star quarterback. We've got the best quarterback in the world. And we'll just let him do whatever. It wasn't about running real routes. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, that's that's something to keep in mind is that the statistical difference between the two is kind of whatever.
2: Yeah. And and with the Patreon videos, too, uh, uh, it's a lot less like I never came. Oh, if you if you go to my Patreon, you watch a draft breakdown. You'll never hear me grade a pick. I'm never going to say that, you know, hey, I I think that this guy is, you know, an 80 out of 100 or whatever, Um, because I want it to be more about. Like. Me learning <laughs> and me learning out loud. Well, so okay, so you can you mentioned
3: um real quick. You mentioned that uh your initial take on Jordan Addison had like a particular you know um direction to it, and then you went back and yeah. in the interim you learned some stuff. So what exactly? Um, so where did you learn it, and what exactly did you learn? Because I know you're pretty open about the resources that you use.
2: Yeah, I learned it by talking to a wide receiver coach. Uh, and watching film with a wide receiver coach. Mm-hmm. And essentially, there was a rep that people probably remember against Stanford that's a post route that he housed for like a big giant bomb touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I first watched it, I saw him. I, I saw a cornerback playing inside the receiver on a post route and the cornerback cleared him and got open. And I went, oh, his speed must be fine. Um, But what I learned or what I was wrong about and what the that coach pointed out to me was like, That corner, which is Caillou Blue Kelly, by the way, is totally bombing this play because he didn't respect the speed. He didn't. And and a lot of corners play against Addison, not respecting the speed. But in this case, Caillou Blue Kelly played it way too far and got Mm -hmm. punished like crazy because he never came out of his backpedal. He never went into a shuffle. He never, uh, you know, turned his hips and ran until it was like way too late. Ball was a great ball put right on him. And then he actually broke the tackle and and scored. And so to me, that play was its still a good play. I mean, it's a long touchdown.
3: You got to do something right on a long touchdown. Right. But it's I good think for the, different reasons. And it yeah. speaks to the concerns that. So my question then is. Um, the pushback on his combine time, right, is that, you know, hey, uh, he hurt his back, you know, running it a little bit and his back tightened up. And so maybe that has something to do with it. And also like PFF, you know, on some podcast, I think Sam had mentioned um, that he was like a 90th percentile in on speed tracking. Um, First of all, I don't know if that's 90th percentile in the NCAA, in the FBS, among draft picks. Those are all completely different data sets. So I don't know what 90th percentile means. Maybe Sam had said, I just don't know. Um, And if it's 90th percentile in the draft class, that makes me feel a lot better than if it's 90th percentile in the NCAA. Right. Yeah, for sure. and uh, and so I'm wondering, right, where you sit on what his true speed is, because that is one of the questions that we kind of have. And I think that one of the signals that you had kind of mentioned is that cornerbacks consistently, they probably respected him as a player, but they didn't respect his speed. Right. They and if they play, yeah. Consistently throughout the Pac-12 don't respect his speed. He probably was not a, one of the faster receivers in the Pac-12.
2: Yeah, and and it's different cuz like when you watch Washington State they play press bail all the time and it's like it kind of doesn't matter you're just bailing immediately every time no matter how fast the guy is but then you play somebody else that stays in their back pedal a long time. I I'm I'm bad at putting numbers to it, but I'll say when corners disrespected it too much, he could punish it. It wasn't like you would see like when when Treadwell played here. And you really didn't have to like at all, or when you split a tight end out wide and they can just disrespect that speed all day and there's no way to punish
3: it. Um, that's not really like like the comparison that we're making here, though, right? We're not talking about a guy running like a potential four seven, right? I want to
2: make sure that people are making that comparison. Yeah, you 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 hear like speed concerns and
3: people go, Oh no, he's
2: slow, and that's he's not slow.
3: His speed is really – the concern about his speed is a function of a concern about his size because historically it's very difficult for smaller receivers to do well without elite speed. Like that is the key. And so if he's an above average receiver in terms of speed, that remains a concern, but it is a different type of concern than the kind of concerns that people had about Anquan Bolden's speed or Jarvis Landry's speed or – uh, Laquan Treadwell's speed it's a different flavor of concern it's about the combination of who he is as a player as a complete package and how he's going to win and so that's right. kind of my question if if people consistently disrespect his speed to me that tells me that he's probably not an elite speedster then the next question is can he can he improve his size right because this, the issue with the size yeah. is not his height it's his muscle mass right it's his physicality yeah yeah and he's a yeah. young player and and so in theory you'd be able to do it, but then you ask questions like, well, he did have good agility. Will he be able to retain his agility as he adds size? And the answer is different for every player.
0: He, here's here's what I've heard from within Viking circles.
3: Ooh. We got some the Vikings s- sort of insider knowledge. Let's go.
0: The Vikings <laughs> believe that the speed is his secret sauce. They really? think it's elite. They okay. think it's an elite trait. And Crazy you know, in some ways but well, maybe the here. undrafted corner played it wrong, like <laughs> <laughs> um Who's to say? Yeah. It, <laughs> may- like, maybe, maybe they've they talked are... to Makai. They talked to Makai and they yeah, were like, right. Hey, hey, what do you think of this Jordan Addison guy? But before um, the
3: draft, they talked to Makai. <laughs> they <were> like, hey. <laughs> they
2: had a top 30 visit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Vikings do not want Addison to put on more than like five
3: pounds. They think 180 is
2: really Uh, yeah. 180 that's where the
3: threshold to me would be. I would want him to be at least 180.
2: And and to be super clear about the answer to the question, his speed is fine. I think "fine" is the word for 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 what I saw on tape. It's uh, generally it's fine. But when you add the size, the fact that, you know, if you're a really, really fast corner, you can play him in such a way that really leverages his size against him. But I definitely get that with the Vikings because if you bulk him up more, you're going to have like a, what, a 190 receiver that is now getting slower. That feels like a worse version of the same thing.
0: I think (laughs) what you're going to see a ton early as, uh, as he maybe does put on five pounds and puts on some more muscle you're going to see him lined up off the line of scrimmage. You're going to see him stacked up. Behind yeah, he's, he's almost certainly going to be a
3: flanker at least as a rookie. Yeah, a we're in or in motion. Slot. They're yeah. going to
0: find ways to avoid like direct jam coverage like I, because they would they would acknowledge that getting off jam with his strength is not going to be a strength. It's going to be can he get off press no. with those subtle like back steps? Right. Foot movement. Which, which being,
3: not... being on the same roster as as Justin Jefferson, that should help Keenan McCardell, as far as I can tell, is pretty good at coaching releases. Again, hard to say what the impact of an individual receiver coach has, but, you know, they kept him for a reason <laughs> through the <laughs> regime. So, um, you know, and 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 seeing what he had done with Jacksonville and, and, and the release packages of those receivers, it's an area where I would say if, if you can identify a technical strength of the staff, that is probably one that they have. Um, But that is an area where, you know, I I would want by the end of the year for Jordan Addison to take more snaps than KJ Osborne, but I would also say that KJ Osborne is probably much better for the physical roles that you ask, whether it is in the slot on a play where you know that there is an option to run, or if it is, um, you know, on the outside on a motion so that he's got the ability to move up if need be on the motion, or whatever, but to keep addison at the flanker in uh three receiver sets where it's possible to run or in the slot where there's probably not a high likelihood of running um away from press coverage because i think that he could kill in the slot so long as you're not asking him to run block like i I think that that is blocking is a huge concern yeah it's ugly yeah i mean i would imagine yeah like getting
2: blasted by cornerbacks like it's bad yeah, I mean, it's they—they have free reign to hit
3: this dude that's been annoying them all game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like, and, and the way guy. he
2: plays it, because like if you if you watch like KJ Osborne block, like he'll block like he's you're my guy, and I'm gonna go get you, right? He'll go up, yeah. get up, engage, get to the right angle, and block. Addison blocking at uh, at USC was a lot of kind of getting to a spot and then essentially just like taking a charge, like just like kind of squaring <laughs> up and letting the guy come. And it's like, dude, you are not big enough to do that. You got to go p- throw yourself into someone. I, I was joking yeah. with the guy. like, we got to show him some Deuce Vaughn tape. Because Deuce Vaughn, when he's a lead blocker, he'll run up to an edge rusher that's twice his size, throw everything he's got, and pop the guy. Dude, how much influence is it? Right, yeah. His- <laughs>
3: yeah. What, 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 what's <laughs> this 5'9", 170 running back? But boy, do? you
2: see the want to.
3: <laughs> well, okay, but, but there, there's something there, right? Because yeah. when you initiate contact, you've got much more control. As limited as that control may turn out to be, <laughs> inertia is a property of matter. Bill
2: Nye taught me this. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. You got much more control on how that interaction is going to play out than when you kind of take on the contact. Plus, um, you're just you're just going to have a bigger, better influence on the play. So, um, yeah, I mean, you you never want your players to play football like they're the nail, right? You always want them yeah, to play exactly. like they're the hammer. Uh, Which is that-
2: a, I've probably a teachable thing, but also it's like I, there's not a lot of Jordan Addison to throw around. <laughs>
3: Right. But like you, you could, you could, for example, be like, "Hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna manipulate the formation so that your blocking assignment is, you know, the 180 pound safety instead of the 210 pound safety. <laughs> you know, right. like we're gonna like we're gonna make sure that you're not blocking mm-hmm. a 240 pound linebacker, the ones that still exist.
2: And there's um, ways to teach him how to win that matchup, close the curtain, all that stuff. The things you teach tight ends versus edge rushers and stuff. Like you can win when you're smaller than the guy, but.
3: You got to, you can't just let him Show us Adam Thielen tape. Thielen went after 240 pound linebackers. Oh yeah. Usually lost, but who's counting? But it worked. That's the, (laughs) it's not about winning the individual matchup. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He showed grit. It's all about grit. Uh, Winning ugly baby. (laughs) My cornerback crush is gone from the free agent market. We'll see if there's anyone else left that I, or these guys like that the Vikings could sign. First, a reminder that we are partnered now with Sirius XM. You can hear all the Lockdown Sports Minnesota shows on the Sirius XM app or the SXM app. You can also hear all the hometown broadcasts of the local games, Twins Dodgers, at 910 Central tonight. Twins trying to stay hot. You can search Twins on the SXM app. Shaq Griffin, we barely knew ye. I was, uh, I was all in on the Shaq Griffin bandwagon. I wanted him on the Vikings. I wanted them to take the the money from the Dalvin cut or the Zadarius trade and sign him. And guys, he's going to the Texans. One-year deal. He's off the market. I, I, the Vikings are going to have some money. Not a lot. They have to sign the draft class. But between Dalvin, who I think is inevitably going to be cut, and Zadarius now, there's, some, there's something to work with. Is there anybody that catches your eye at corner now that my beloved Shaq, is off the market.
3: Uh, I mean, you could always bring in a former Ram, right? That seems to be pretty popular. You could always bring in Mm -hmm. Troy Hill. He's all right. Um, Slot guy. Yeah. He's a slot guy, primarily slot guy. And he's played on the outside, Um, but he's all right. And, and I think that you ask him to do anything that a, that a slot corner typically does and he does it with, um, a fair degree of execution, which I think is maybe a little bit better than than what you t- typically expect at this point in free agency. Um, but the the two that catch my eye the most, only one that I actually like, but the two that catch my eye the most are Marcus Peters and William Jackson. Uh, Marcus Peters, I think, is visiting um, Las Vegas today, so you know may, they might sign him by the by the time the segment airs. But um, I like him a lot. I think William Jackson, you know, it's we're so far removed from his last good season, it's probably. Time to kind of give it up on him, but um, you know he could play in the slot as well. But Marcus Peters, um, if if the Vikings truly are going to be an off man team, right? If that is the primary coverage that they choose to play, I can't imagine a better corner for that than Marcus Peters. Um, he's going to gamble a lot. You know, you're going to give up some stuff. He's not. He's not as much of a gambler as he was uh, when he was in Kansas City. You know, he did that um, d- despite a defense that would it would in theory do it more in uh Baltimore he did it a little bit less personally. Um it helped that he had a pretty good safety help while he was there. Um but I like him. I mean he produces turnovers. Um he's done a better job, you know, covering from snap to snap. He's a instinctive aggressive player. Um you know, hopefully not so aggressive that he like chokes out a coach on the sideline, you know, you don't want the Washington Huskies thing again. But uh <laughs> it's been a while. He's he's I'm not going to say he's redeemed himself. He's not been on teams for very long but uh he's good he's good at football that's the point
0: what do you guys think about a guy who turns 34
3: is this casey hayward
0: yeah
2: what
3: do you think about <laughs> casey hayward? I,
2: I don't mind an older guy because that room is so young that it feels like a little bit of a veteran presence a mentorship presence can have value on its own um and also it's you know you can it's a guy to compete against it's a guy everybody has to beat and if it turns out that he's worse than all the young guys anyways and you cut him like whatever but I don't I'm not super afraid of being 34 in general I don't really have a Casey yeah. Hayward opinion in particular I and mean, I can't be
3: afraid of being 34 I mean that's just that's who I am <laughs> hey,
0: Hayward at age 32 had a very good season for Vegas in one year there, he earned a two-year, $11 million deal in Atlanta because of how good he was in Vegas, and then he got a pectoral injury. And then, and then, <laughs> yeah.
1: he is. Um, so I'm, had... I'm
0: saying he has not hit a, necessarily a performance cliff that he's shown yet. He hit an injury, but he has not actually shown that, like, I'm getting old, I'm not good anymore.
3: I feel I feel like susceptibility to injury is one of the issues with age. I'm going to throw that out there. Um, Would you
0: rather have Juwan Williams or Casey Hayward on your roster if the price is low?
3: I mean, if I can just cut a guy without having to worry about, it, probably Casey Hayward. Well, yeah. right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I it's just kind of funny to stump for. I I, I guess I mean the Vikings have like very like. They've had that guy for like a while. It was like Patrick Peterson and then yeah. uh, the old guy before that, super Terrence old Terrence Newman. <laughs> and,
2: and it's yeah. worked out red great. wine, baby.
3: Red wine. Gotta uh, replace him. Gotta <laughs> Ter- replace Terrence the... Newman. I, I, there's no way you're gonna ask me to coach another year. This is way too much work. <laughs> that Terrence Newman. <laughs> Mike, Mike Zimmer literally scared him, him, him.
0: away yeah. from football in any form. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't surfaced since twenty
3: eighteen. <laughs> he needed a fi- a five Gold. year
0: cooling down
3: window. The king. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess they've always had that.
2: Guy. <laughs> I, right now, Byron Murphy is the most experienced
0: corner in the room. That's that's a little alarming. That's yeah. um, he's
3: not Leonard that much
1: President older is. than Makai
0: Blackman. Luke Braun, did did you have a name that you wanted to to throw into the the hat? um I, I was
2: i i was gonna say troy hill um yeah. I, I, again i'm not like too worried about age so yeah casey hayward would be fine william jackson would be fine i didn't think a lot about marcus peters am i i think of him as like a super like cover three zone corner am i just wrong
3: yeah you're 100% wrong
2: all right cool then marcus peters yeah sure i, I don't know and bring in bodies let him compete i feel like this hey, is
3: eli apple's available
2: eli apple why not yeah <laughs> I, the, the corner room is just in such a sorry state that I'm still kind of like, well, does he have a pulse? Okay.
3: <laughs> hey, Eli Apple has played in championship games. And allegedly is alive, so I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> a once, person. once his teammates are done with him, we'll see, but you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that would odds on the first training camp fight would be like <laughs> minus 400 <laughs> Eli Apple Jordan uh,
2: don't, don't forget about Andrew Booth oh That's my right. god Andrew Booth oh yeah
3: oh he'll second fight. favorite yeah uh, if Eli Apple and Andrew Booth are on the same team yeah 100% there are fights the thing is the Vikings need to start putting a red jersey on Jordan Addison in that case
0: <laughs> right we don't want anybody pressing you're him you're absolutely not into him. oblivion He's to instigate
3: yeah <laughs> uh
0: braun am, am i selectively remembering but wasn't andrew booth like for one week of camp the next big thing wasn't he having like one of those cam dantzler you know august 1st no. kind of practices? i think he was i think he was fun to watch but yeah for like good
2: and bad reasons yeah, but i don't think that's for sure. but I, yeah i don't think anybody was like look how well this guy is playing people were like oh this is interesting
3: yeah, well, he did have he did have some really great highlights. If you want to talk about high highs and low lows, his yeah. highs were very high. His lows he couldn't were not get out of a day low, without like honestly.
2: three disasters and three awesome plays. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. But like, like the like, because I remember like the the thing at Clemson that was so astounding was like these one handed interceptions that he just and he got like pretty close to that in camp. Like, I don't know if there were any one handed interceptions, but there's certainly like one handed. Uh, leaping backwards, impossible angle pass deflections that were pretty fun to watch. And then, you know, Adam Thielen would like cook him right the next yeah. play. I, I
2: think <laughs> he, life. he got, got pretty hard against the 49ers if he was, if I remember, or was he
3: hurt by then? Uh, I no, he was healthy in camp, 49ers. wasn't he? Yeah, pretty sure he had practices against the 49ers because I, I remember thinking, um, because it wasn't Debo, right? I don't think it was Debo or Brandon. No, uh, it was like it was like trying it was Churchill. the rookie. Oh god, like who's that. the
2: SMU guy that I was like in love with?
3: Oh, uh Gray? Noah Gray? Y- yes. Was that Noah Gray? It? No, Noah Gray's a kid. Sounds like a tight end
0: for the Chiefs.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Danny Gray, SMU. Danny, Danny Gray. Gray. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah, god, Danny yeah, Gray so cooked him. him. And we were like, well, Luke was like, Hey, Danny Gray's. Right yeah, right. I was like, my
2: takes. <laughs> and I was like, I
3: I don't know about that, man. Danny Gray cooked him. <laughs> 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 I remember that. Danny Gray had, like, a pretty good moment throughout the season, though. I'll, I'll give Luke that. Still got him stashed
2: on a dynasty roster. I'm not giving it up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm happy uh, I remember that name. That means I'm still, like, I'm still into football. That's good to know. You're still functioning.
0: Yeah. Or if you covered camp, right? Back yeah. with, uh, you were still with the Athletic?
3: Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't no. switch over from the Athletic to Pro Football Network until the week of the New Orleans game.
0: Man, I'm going to miss you this year. Oh
3: God! The you don't have to lie. Viking piece.
0: What? Who am I going to stand with in the shade over on that hill? Collar, like between the between the bleachers.
3: Matthew Collar.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, w- I will. I will. <laughs> and we'll have fun. But I'm going to miss a reef and his uh, his witty commentary. No, I appreciate that, Sam. I'll try to insult you less. Can't you make? Can you make it out for at least one day? Like for the sake of your national coverage?
3: Ta- yeah, I'll have to talk to. Pro Football Network about whether or not we're going to do a training camp tour, but if we are, I mean, obviously the Vikings would be on the schedule.
0: Tarif Hasan, Luke Braun, I'm Sam Ekstrom. This has been the Minnesota Football Party today. Tomorrow, uh, Luke Inman rejoins the mix. We'll talk a little bit of uh, draft fallout. We'll talk about his NFL Draft Buzz newsletter, and uh, I think Luke has already got some 2024 draft content in store, so we'll talk about that as well. And as the week moves on, Reggie Wilson, I mean, it's an obsession, really, at that point. He's unwell. 2024. May 15th. Uh, Reggie Wilson joins on Wednesday, and then Arif and Luke back with us on Thursday's show on the Minnesota Football Party. Please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you find your podcasts. Have a great Monday, everybody.
3: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked-on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.